Mrs. Perez, we know a writer director here with My Black is Transnational because My Black is Transnational. You are listening to season five of My Dad's Podcast, My Black is Transnational, a podcast about blackness and her reconnecting back to our native homelands. Find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram or blacktransnational.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Black is Transnational. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts. And on this episode, I have the pleasure of talking with Ms. Perez Owino, who's an award-winning writer, actress, um, producer, uh, comedian, artist, African artist, and more, all the way from Kenya, who'll be talking to us about her transnational experience and one of her more popular works, Bound, and also the documentary that she just did with Jada Pinkett Smith called um, Njingba. Uh, so yeah, but before we get into that, let's go through our formalities. If this is your first time listening to my black is transnational, you can find this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, Spotify, Google, like Stitcher, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast anchor, um, please be sure to find it, rate and review it, give it five stars, really appreciate it so that we can continue to tailor our content for your listening pleasure. Also, you can check out our website at www.blacktransnational.com. It's a one-stop shop, information source for everything that you need regarding this podcast. Check out the history of it. You can listen to old episodes from season one. You can learn a little bit more about our guests and their biography. Stay in touch, with, get in contact with them, I should say. Um, so definitely suggest that you check out our website. And then also, you can follow us on social media. You can follow me, the host, at blacktransnational underscore you can also follow the podcast at Black Transnational Podcast on Instagram. We're on Twitter at MBI Transnational. And you can follow the page on Facebook as well at Black Transnational Podcast. So we're all over the place. Um, I think I, we're getting better with Twitter. I always say that every time. But yes, so that's the way you can get in touch with us. We please as that you continue to support us. We really appreciate your listening. Uh, all right. So our guest and this episode, I haven't even know what the title is yet. Um, actually, I don't know. I, I, I'm still, I'm still getting there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a title this something, something good, uh, when I get to it, uh, maybe about the bridge or, or, you know, one day, but I really enjoyed this episode and I had to just do like an actual introduction to this video. Um, not because I was being formal, but because the way this episode really went was, um, completely organic and it was not necessarily what I expected, but it was everything that it needed it to be because we really just got into talking. It was like we were really sitting at an African restaurant eating suya and just gisting about what it is to be African, what it means to be transnational, what it means to be able to create a bridge to, to, to support our brothers and sisters, um, the perspectives of being um, African versus African American and, and how do we continue to reconcile and how do we, you know, how do we continue to move forward and, and and using that bridge to be able to fortify ourselves in our transnational identity and encourage others to be transnational. Among so many other things, um, it was a very raw, authentic um, conversation, emotional at the end. I think we really talk about our ancestry and what it means that being that one day, you know, to talk about our ancestors as well as dreams and 
and us being the one day for our ancestors. I thought that was a very powerful moment that I hope you all can also feel as well. But the conversation itself was live. And um, again, uh, you know, Perez, I, I appreciate your, your your candidness, your authenticity, just the African in you. I, I, I love everything about it. That's why I said you're my adopted sister. And I appreciate you so much um, for your time and your insight and your and just your wisdom and knowledge. So I really do hope that you all, um, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, check it out we're gonna you know jump into this episode right now but for those who are listening on the audio version of this podcast we're gonna get into it and you'll see that the conversation just kind of starts right off um you know and we're just we're just talking and laughing about about you know things related to being african and then we start to build and get into the the real richness and the depth in which our conversation really um navigates into or evolves into i should say so yeah, so I mean, if you don't know Perez Aquino, you you haven't heard about her. Um, one, check out the work that she's done, and and I would strongly recommend Bound. I've been saying that for a while. And two, um, this is the moment. I definitely say that you will enjoy this episode. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Perez Aquino, director, producer, writer, superstar. Enjoy. <laughs> Our vices and our virtues, exactly. we are complete. I always say we Africans don't need Wakanda to love us. No, we just have her pure yeah. and pure, pure with all her problems. Yeah. She's ours, yeah, you know. Yeah. Ah, yeah. by people, oh. yeah. I love Africans, I love Africans. God, nothing makes you feel alive like being in Africa mm. around Africans. Oh, yeah, and you know it. Ah. You know it. When we come together, when we come together is like, you know, the African magic. You just feel the energy. The energy changes, you know, the energy changes completely. It becomes more authentic. It Mm -hmm. becomes fearless. Yeah. It becomes old. It becomes wiser, I Mm -hmm. feel. It becomes honest. Uh, Africans don't do politically correct. Africans don't do PC. Africans don't do. Africans just tell you what they see. Yeah. We call a spade a spade and not a big spoon. Yeah. They will call you out on your shit. Hey, but Africans are quick to <laughs> Africans are quick to both verbal and <laughs> physical violence. Mm-hmm. Especially <laughs> es- especially the like verbal one. That's like one of our strengths. That's like one of our magics. We are very, very And they will tell you, do not approach an African if you don't want the truth. Mm-hmm. They will not lie to you. The, the transparency. And what like Nigerians are like is like our special ability verbal insults. <laughs> an African can insult you. Like an African can insult you. Where you feel it, you don't even need to like get physical. Like it's really the thing pains you when someone says something about you and they tell you the truth about yourself and they say, "Look, about this, this, this. yourself." <laughs> That's powerful. Giving you examples. Yeah, it's a powerful pain. And the best thing about Africans is just how Africans will tell the truth even at a funeral. You know, in America over here, when somebody dies, they're like, he was the love of A.A. An African will be like, this one was witchcraft involved. <laughs> this, one. this one gave me hardship from the womb. Oh, this one is going to go give heaven a hard time. Oh, I'm just praying that Africans do not have time for lies. <laughs> and, I, and I love that because they're honest. Oh, yeah. You always know where they stand. 
their facial expressions are constantly giving giving them away. Even oh. if an African wanted to lie, you the face them. has already given you him away. You can read them. I'm very much so. It's very hard. Immediately. Very hard to. My wife says it all the time. She's just like, <laughs> my facial expression, when I'm like, my kids, if something's wrong, she already knows, like, I can't hide it. Yeah. It's very hard. Especially for me. when, remember when we're all watching, remember, remember the slap? Like, remember somebody saying something stupid around an African? No, an English person, they would always just do this. An African immediately, the moment the stupid has hit the airspace. You know, they look like the face has jumped. Uh, then they look for another African. Who else? Two can relate. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking for someone to confirm, like to confirm if the stupidity is yeah. real. I'd be like, <laughs> was it only me? And the other person goes, I also had it. And you're like, is it true? I don't know. My yo, I know. <laughs> then we laugh. But then if they make a mistake of asking you, what are you laughing at? The African has no tag. I'm laughing at the stupid thing you just said in the room right now. Did not everybody else hear this stupid thing that was just said in the room? Oh, God. Like, when I came to America the first time, people always used to tell me, Perez, you need tact. Mm. I was like, tact for what? You all had it. Everybody's face, maybe you were hiding it better. But you all had this was stupid. Why are we now hiding it? We're wasting our time. Exactly. Call it out and say, my dear, that was stupid. And they move on, right? And you move on. And you move on. But you see, the thing about it here in the West, in the Western world, yeah. is that you can't move on, because when you yeah. say something insulting, now it's become, it's become the thing, and now you like was, peppers them too much. Yeah, I think because feelings have been given more weight over fact. So how you feel is more important than what you said, exactly. than the fact that you just put in the room. Exactly. And in Africa, I don't know how you have it in Ibo, but in Kenya we have this phrase that says Basically, it means if you're not taught by your mother, the world will teach you. Mm-hmm. So usually when I say something that people are like, ah, oh, I said, ah, 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 that's just the world teaching you, surely. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, you have to learn, Abi. You have to, because the reality of the fact is when you go out there and encounter the world, you will encounter the world. You will encounter people taught and raised by different people. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out how to have thick skin. You have to figure out how to engage without being completely torn apart by mm-hmm. the engagement. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to bend and not break. You have to be malleable as a human being because everybody's walking in with their own lens and their own experience, mm-hmm. which does not invalidate yours, but also yours does not invalidate theirs. theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you have to understand you're always in an equal playing field. And that playing field, my dear, you can become in there playing chess, people are playing checkers, some are playing judo. The ball is ready to hit you, you on the head. Exactly. You have to be able to say, Excuse me, I'm in your way. Yeah. You have to know how to navigate the world. And yeah. I think Africans, because of what we have been expected to do have learned how to navigate the world maybe a little bit better well, because yeah. we have been forced to. Exactly. In Africa, is, Africa is the only place where, you know, you can come to the United States, you can go into Hollywood and do entertainment without ever having to know who Chinua Achebe is. Oh, yeah. People, there are many people yeah. now who don't. Yeah, but if you're an African, a book will try doing this thing without knowing who William Shakespeare is. How? How would they, you, you're not considered proper and everybody strives like, to be proper. You know, Iamic pentameter, you, you don't know what that is? Oh, oh my God. Everybody uh, knows what that is. William Shakespeare. You see, so mm-hmm. there's this whole idea where we have been forced to ingest the world. Mm-hmm. And in the process of ingesting the world, sometimes we have not had enough bandwidth or realize that we have to balance our bandwidth so that we can also ingest ourselves. That, that in some shape, way, or form, we have got to realize that the world is not the world without the African. Oh, and so the African stories are equally important to the whole narrative 
of how the world is today. Mm -hmm. You cannot have the world today as it is and ignore Africa. Because first of all, Africa is the source. Now mm -hmm. you cannot say, oh my God, here we have water in a glass without asking people, well, where did the water come from? Well, it's from the glass. No, it's not. The water is not from the glass. Mm -hmm. Where did the water come from? It's like saying the story of mankind without including Africa. Mankind is, not, is non-existent without Africa. Mm -hmm. So we as Africans also need to make the space, demand the space, take the space. In fact, don't have to demand it, just take it. Uh, we know we are good at that. Yeah. Just take your space, Baba. But we see the thing about it is that like we're good at doing that among ourselves in terms of taking up our own space, right? But then I feel like when you when does the state the space that's occupied by non blacks, the hesitation yeah. is you know, he's like, let's go and collect. But no, 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 no. But if it's my sister, my other fellow sister from East, West, North Africa, there's hesitation in saying there's no hesitation, I should say, in being able to just go and collect that space and say, move, shift. Yes. But I feel like that same energy needs to be applied into the spaces that matter more. Yeah, and also I'm going to maybe do a little shift in that. It's, it's, I think it's very problematic if you tell your sister to move so that you can occupy the space. Exactly. Because then you don't understand the value of your sister exactly. in that space. Yes, yes. Nothing has ever been achieved one man by themselves. Mm. I would not have gotten as far as I wanted to or told the story as best as I wanted to without Nene, who was in the room with me. Mm -hmm. There's power in being more than one person in a room. You validate each other's voice, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes. And the thing, the reality of the fact is these spaces that we're called into, the reason why they ask us into this space is because there is among certain people, producers, which I'm very grateful for, an awareness that they don't have all the information regarding this space so mm. they need the people who do and they call the people in the room and say hey we want to do this but we need you to take lead here mm. because this is your space then you come in and you govern and if i'm one of those people who when I, people say why people don't know us don't know our stories i'm like thank you very much because if they did i'd be out of a job mm. see the silver lining in every negative situation yeah, yeah how you have been called to do something in that space mm -hmm. so instead of worrying about who doesn't know it Figure out how to get into that room. And who's going to give it? And fill that gap. Mm -hmm. Because, I'll be honest, to me, Perez, mm -hmm. it is not Brad Pitt's responsibility to tell my story. Exactly. It is not. No. And I don't get mad when when Ron Howard walks around and does movies with no black. I don't get mad. Because it's not for him to tell. Ron's Ron Howard telling his own story, mm -hmm. Me, I'm going to tell mine. Now, what I have a problem with is when there's no opportunity to do that. Mm. But once the opportunity shows up then come in and fill that space and then let's support the people who are in that space mm -hmm. doing that job mm -hmm. i'm very grateful for the jada pinkett smiths of this world because without jada pinkett smith there is no african queens yeah so find the sisters and the brothers in the space who are holding the door for you the antoine Fuqua who's opening the door for the mm. for the for, for the brothers who are doing shaka zulu there is a synergy that is required with the entire diaspora to tell these stories. Because sometimes I know there are some people who feel like these are our stories as Africans and nobody else in the diaspora story mm -hmm. it is. But funnily enough, Jika is the story of the diaspora because at that point in time, the diaspora is being birthed. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the people who ended up, the ancestors of the people who ended up in this diaspora came from? Africa. Yeah. And they did not. And to say they're not, this Africa does not belong to them is to say that they were sitting in Africa and just said, ah, you know what, guys? 
I'm bored. I want to see what's on the other side of the ocean. That's not how that story happened. You cannot look upon the Jamaican, the Afro-Brazilian, the African-American, and treat him with the same gaze as somebody from the UK who treats somebody who jumped on the Mayflower and was like, peace out. Mm. No. You know what I mean? No. It's a different, it's a different story. story. So there is a pain in there. There's a wound that is on both sides of the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. That's in the Caribbean. And we have to, this is just me talking about my own philosophy. Yeah. Find each other and give to those who lost Africa what it is that they lost. And from those people, mm -hmm. you will get what it is that you've forgotten. Mm -hmm. Because there are things about Ifa that are sitting in Cuba yeah. and in Brazil there are things about who we are that are sitting in North Carolina. Yep. There are people who remember bits and pieces of who we are, and it's spread. It's like finding pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Yep. Right and across you, the desk. And we got to come together to make it fit. Put it all you together. You got to fit it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I am not, I am not of that whole Listen, I take all of them. Because <laughs> yeah. if you will take all those shitty African presidents. That's a good point. All those shitty African presidents are destroying an entire continent. Even to this day. Like even with like the so, Nigerian election right now that's happening. You, we're, we're talking about this pain right now, you know? Yes. Yeah. But when they think about things like that. So for me, like when things happen where Kanye goes and says what Kanye says. Then I go back to myself and I ask myself, what's that wound the brother is talking about? What's going on with that brother? Or what's this conversation he's trying to trigger? How can then I, as an African, speaking on behalf of the ancestors, what can I do to that conversation mm -hmm. that transforms? Because I fundamentally believe, as Africans, as the source, I don't know any mother who watches her children squabble and be like, eh, I don't care doesn't exist. No, sorry. So when I see Kanye spewing anything that is remotely around the sphere of anti-Semitism, or if I hear anybody speak about that, then I feel as an African that there's now a responsibility that I have to change that conversation. Mm. Right? Yeah. To bring an African way of looking at that conversation. Yeah. So that we are not fighting each other. I'm, I'm a fundamental believer. That's why I did bound. I'm a fundamental believer in grace over judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, that if I am seeing this guy and this guy fighting, then my question becomes, what can I add to this space that changes how they see each other? Yeah. How do I change that? And I come from that space mm -hmm. because I love to create pieces of things that create dialogue and bring humanity closer to each other as opposed to far apart mm -hmm. capitalism is doing the, the latter mm -hmm. i don't have to worry about cap i don't have to worry about us pulling apart from each other capitalism is doing that effortlessly and it's yeah it's working well with poverty mm -hmm. and <sighs> greed and it's, so it behooves yeah, us yeah to figure out how to bring us back to community you know what I mean? But that was a big part in what we talk about with Bound. And I was supposed to do this introduction thing, but we're just in already, so I'll do that later. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're yeah, in it now. Put it in the notes section. Yeah, we're in it now. I'll do the introduction and everything later forever. We know award-winning <laughs> award winning writer and everything. Yeah. We'll do all that. But I really want to get into Bound and also the other stories because, one, I, I you know, this podcast, we really talk about everything that you've brought up. And one key thing that I really liked about what you brought in the documentary was the bridge, right? And this is what 
my transnationalism is about that bridge that connects us because I always felt like we have the ability, especially us Africans that arrive into the country, we have the ability to be able to bring them back. Right. There was one of the participants in the in the documentary that talked about his wife being from Liberia and how she became his passport. Right. And I Mm -hmm. think that idea is what is a is a is a key example of what I've been trying to promote here with the idea of transnational is that we have the ability to be able to go back and forth. Like you just gave me an example of a picturing of your people in Kenya. Right. You're still connected to home, even though you've been here, you're thriving, you're doing everything here, but you still have people that are you know, heavily telling you what's going on. And I believe that there's so many of our brothers and sisters in the diaspora that are looking for that. And we have the responsibility of creating that bridge. Because I believe, as you said, the puzzles were spread everywhere. And the history shows that everybody was involved in this. (laughs) Like in the trade of people and the trade of our people and the stuff. And our history was spread across. So that also means that we played a role in the the development and the building of the rest of the world. Therefore, I feel like we have a right to be able to explore and be connected to that because our ancestors were forced into being part of these places um, and building them from the ground up, whether it was in India, whether it was in the Middle East, whether it was in Asia. We were so everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. You go to Belgium and you see Congo. Yeah. You see Congo's money. Yeah, you everywhere. Belgium, you say, this is the money that... If this money was returned to Congo, Congo would look like yes. This. I mean, you're talking but, about that's that's the the blood, <laughs> the blood of the people who died in that country, right? In those times, you're talking about what over 15 million? Yes, crazy. And so I think about that, and I say, okay, now when we talk about the responsibility of telling our stories and being able to connect and create that connection and change the way we see each other, what? What inspired you to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to use my gift of storytelling to be able to create something poetic as in the term, in the in a way of framing it where it's a, two brothers connected, one was separated, and because of the time and just all the information that was in that that was told to these two separate relatives that were separated, their ans the descendants cross each other and they don't even recognize one another. How do we now get to that point where we can be able to have us see each other clearly and be able to encourage each other to travel with each other. I'm one of those people who, when people challenge me, I pick up the challenge. Mm. Like when someone dares me, I pick up the dare. Like, I'm like, oh, are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Like when somebody goes, I remember a friend of mine says, I bet you can't do stand-up comedy. Because she knew me enough to know that the only way to get me up on that microphone was to dare me. And I was like, well, watch this. <laughs> and, um, and I remember someone once asked, how come you people never came looking for us? Mm, I was going to ask that next. That was a, 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 They said that in Black Panther. It was, very, it was a theme yep. in there. And my response to them now is, well, here I am. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. Because it's, 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 it's a legit question, but it's a question that almost can't be answered simplistically. Yeah. Because what was so problematic about the time was, let me start by saying this, so that people understand what I mean when I say things. So I'll give an ex- I'll, I'll start with this example first so people understand exactly what perspective I'm coming from. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question first. Okay. If today, February 28th, mm-hmm. 2023, mm-hmm. the United States, Europe, China, Russia, all the famous, all the 
powerful Western nations decide that they're going to go back into Africa and recolonize it, hmm. what will Africa do? Nothing. What can Africa do? Nothing. Now, what makes people think that 19, 2023 was any different from 1600? The illusion of freedom. The pressure has never been left off of Africa mm -mm. for hundreds of years. That pressure started in the 1600s and it's still, still there. Here. Still there. Yeah. It got worse because mm -hmm. what happened is it got worse why Africa has never been able to meet that pressure mm -hmm. because while our money is making the West go farther, it's pushing Africa Down. lower. Yeah. The West, if Africa was like, oh, we're going to fight back. Well, do we have any weapons of mass destruction? No. My dears, do you guys make any guns? No. No, we don't. Yeah. Bombs? No. Tanks? No. no. What is well, now, well, we might throw stones. It is literally what Palestinians are doing right now in the yeah. East, throwing stones. Yeah. And so if you understand the power, that dynamic, that power dynamic, and this idea of killing people in mass, which Africans have never done. Yeah. The Africans have always been, you know, combat one-on-one, one-on-one. Yeah. On one. yeah. Like whoever it is stronger is going to win. Mm -hmm. But now people are droning things. People can just drone and bomb out places. Mm -hmm. If you understand that you're dealing with a community of people who've always warred amongst each other, and from the outside comes this pressure that has Maxim guns, I mean, you are just being mowed down, gunpowder. Mm -hmm. You have that happening. And then you understand the fear of a leader whose job is to make sure that there are people who are left behind to celebrate the ancestors. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the problems is a lot of people don't understand how the Africans at the time thought and because you don't understand, you're looking at them at the 21st century lens. Mm -hmm. So you're putting your own values and your own fears and whatever on theirs. Yeah. But you don't understand that back then, Maslow's hierarchy was food, clothing, shelter. Family was the most important thing. Yep, that's it. So I try to protect my family as far as I can spread my arms. But what you don't realize is with the, with, with the, with the institution of enslavement, the family was being forced to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as people were being pulled away until eventually you get taken. Mm -hmm. So who's going to come to look for you when the people who would have come to look for you are where you are? Yeah. And they're spread apart. Separated. Yeah, they've been taken. The people who would have looked for you are now in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. They're in, in, in Brazil. They're in Colombia. They're in India. Mm -hmm. They're in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So they, so then it comes a part where there's a lot of people waiting to be looked for, mm -hmm. but the people who they're waiting to look for them are no longer here to look for them. Yeah. But my sister, what resources? We also have to think about that. What resources? No, but hold on. Oh. We're still going. And then the ones who are left behind. Now colonialism comes when they're told, okay, now you guys, we're going to keep your slaves in your own country. Exactly. So you can't even move. Yeah. How? You go where? You need a, you need, you need a badge that has been signed by a white person to have you move from this place to this place. Yeah. You're paying taxes in your own land. Yeah. You know, you're locked in now. So now you're having the same issue where um, no matter where you are and you're part of the diaspora, survival becomes key. Number one. I need to survive. That's it. Yeah. So now everybody's surviving. Then the 60s rolls in. You know, everybody's surviving. Everyone's trying to stay alive. The 60s roll in. And the difference between the 60s, what I think was most powerful about the 60s is the 60s, if you think about colonialism in Kenya, which started off in the late 1800s, if you think about like the Berlin Conference, the 18, 1800s mm -hmm. coming into mm -hmm. what was going on in the 60s. Yeah. Now you have things like uh, the Kennedy airlift that took Barack Obama's father mm -hmm. to, to yeah. the United States. Yeah. 
So now Tom Boyer and his folks are now linking up with the Patrice Lumumba's. Now we are now finding each other. And now Pan-Africanism is, is growing because now Martin Luther King is in the same room with Tom Boyer, who's mm -hmm. in the same room with Kwame Nkrumah, mm -hmm. who's in the same room with Malcolm X. And we're like, whoa. So you guys, how do we do this? Then when you see what happens when the diaspora links up is, I don't know why people never think about the thing. So for me, numbers- They never understand how to communicate with each other because they're like, wait. Yeah, but no, but like in the 60s, but for us, yeah. why would we not realize that all, most African countries are getting their independence in 66, 62, yeah. and the Civil Rights Act is being signed at the same time. Like, yep. are you not understanding yeah. that it took this continent and this continent to fight for each other? For something to, to happen. Like, it, took, it took Africans in the United Nations saying, yo, can't be killing black people in the United States of America, man, and coming and telling us some bullshit. Yeah, and then saying you got to act. Yeah, you can't do that. Because you're not, then you, first of all, you went to a war to beat off Hitler and expansionism, and yet you're sitting in our countries. What are you talking about? But also what was important is now, the reason why they were able to take over, the reason why is because they were doing things in their own language, mm -hmm. writing documents in their own language, and people were signing things that I didn't understand. And I always say one of the biggest mistakes the white man ever did was to teach the black man his language yeah. and not learn ours. Because yeah. now we know you. Mm -hmm. We know your language. We know how you think. We know what words matter to you. You don't know us, but we know you. Mm -hmm. So now we could come back in your own native tongue and use your language and the and re, and our reasoning to tell you you're making no sense, right? And then begin to shift. But the thing is, I'm very hopeful for Africa because A, we're the youngest continent. B, look at what first, second generation out of colonialism is achieving. Can you imagine 10 generations oh out? My goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that black excellence is about to hit a note that we're just, the rest of us are going to be like, Whoa. I'm telling you, like, people are scared of that. That's what I, that's Lisa, the, I, people are scared I, of that. It's, it's coming. I listen to Fireboy sing and my, my soul is just, <laughs> I'm just like, and what I love about it is that music did it first mm -hmm. because music yeah. is the first conference of Afro the diaspora meeting with each other yes. and saying, you guys let's do a song together. Yes. Because you know, black yes. folks, we'll always start with the party. Absolutely. Uh, we'll always start with the music. Why? Yes. Because, hey, come on. You know, we know who we are. Always the vibes. We are quick to party, slow to war. So everybody out here in the streets talking about a race war, we'll be like, you guys can have a race war. We'll be at the barbecue. <laughs> Y'all go fight. Somebody will show up. It won't be us because we'll be at the barbecue. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, time. if you want some chicken wings and you want to act right, come get some. But otherwise, we're not doing that stuff. Mm -mm. So, uh, so you have all this stuff happening. And it is the absence of understanding each other's history because we're too inundated with Jen Austen and Queen Elizabeth and all this nonsense mm -hmm. that now we come at each other like, wait, wait, where were you? What were you doing? What's wrong with you? But if you sit down and break bread with each other, you begin to say, instead of saying, what's wrong with you? How are you doing this? Why are you like this? Be like, dude, tell me your story. Then you hear that story. Mm. And then you're like, okay. Quicker to grace, less to judgment. Mm. Now you understand what the battle is. Because as a black person learning in America, hey, I don't know if you think you're not coming into this battle. I don't know if you think somehow you've got a suit of armor. You don't. Mm -mm. You're coming in here to understand that there's something also happening here that you have to decide whether you're going to be a part of it or not. Are you going to be here for the liberation of black people or what, what, what are you here for? Because there's some people who are like, me, I'm just here minding my own business. That's yeah, what I was going to say. When the guns, when the bullets start flying and the ropes start dropping, honey, ain't nobody's looking. Nobody's it doesn't looking see no see color. It doesn't accent. see no accent. Mm -mm, doesn't I've know. Been told, 
I've been yelled at the bus stop to go back to Africa for just literally standing at a bus stop. Mm. I've been called the N word, literally standing at a bus stop. And nobody's going to be like, wait, could you talk? I just want to hear you say a few words. <laughs> just, which one you are. Oh. And the same thing happens in Europe, by the way. Because in America, when we come as Africans, we're the good blacks. Mm -hmm. In Europe, we are not the good blacks. Mm. The African Americans are the good blacks. Yeah. See? So we have to also be very aware of what is at play here. And so that if you're ever in a space and somebody says, well, you guys are really very nice. You need to turn back and say, as opposed to what? Would I be, you think I'd be, you'd think I'd, you'd, you'd think I'd still be like this if I spent my whole life being told I'm less than? You think I'd be like this if I was told my whole life that I'm a slave? You think I'd be like this? My dear. I had a friend of mine from Sierra Leone. Funny brother. He had this same situation happen to him where he was at a job and one of the workmates was like, you guys are different. You guys are nicer. What does that mean? <laughs> and he said he laughed. And he said, don't let the African fool you. We go from zero to machete in 60 seconds. We do, don't play with <laughs> Zero to machete. <laughs> Boom! And I was just nice like, nice there's a truth to that. Yeah, nice one. I find, I find, I, I think, I, I don't, it, it, and this is a question for you. Okay. How do Africans process the racial dynamics in the United States? Mm. You know, I would tell you, from my own opinion and my own experience growing up, is like the idea when I was coming up here, growing up in Chicago, the racial experience was something that was like I knew it was there, but it's none of my business, right? And that's, yes. that was initially how it was. It's like, let's separate ourselves. Let not be like... Yeah, Qatar's like that's not us. That's not us, right? And that, and I think the idea. And I'm assuming, of, I'm assuming you've used that one. Oh no, me, not me. But but yeah. my parents have, right? And that's put a disclaimer. Put a disclaimer. Yeah. That derogatory word because I hate that. Word. I don't work. Yeah, no, no. I, I I say that word because just for the sake of yeah. authenticity. Like but, a wild, yeah. But we're gonna bleep that out, right? Because I have an episode called "Death to Akata." I I do not like that word, but because uh, it doesn't make any sense. And but and because and the thing about it is. But the idea has there's this negative assimilation that always comes into I when we moved to this country it was like oh those are the like you said those are the bad ones we want to be the good boys so let's separate ourselves let's put our head down and let's work and just worry about being Africans in America and let's do all the African things and let's not worry about those people but like you said you know at some point now the next generation the next generation you decide oh you want to come to africa you want to live a health uh, a affluent life but you have children and you think that you can try your very best to prevent them from living in this american world when everything that they do is going to be american outside of your home so you can't separate that and then they're going to have children and so at this yeah. point and that like you said that bullet in that rope does not see accent does not hear accent does not see names and says oh you know, Kilechi, oh, well, we're not going to hang. It doesn't matter. So that experience now has become a little bit more humbling for the, I would say, for my parents' generation, where they now see that I just had a call maybe when this whole George Floyd thing happened, like my parents from Nigeria reached out and said, oh, did you know that African-Americans were considered three-fifths a human being? <laughs> said, that's it. I said you didn't. I said after all these years, I grew up in this country. You think I got in? But yeah, that's that's the mentality. They they don't. The racial experience did not necessarily. They didn't think it applied to them. And I think yeah, now they realize. They didn't think so. And it's, it's important to know this history because I always tell people it is very important to know upon whose shoulders you're standing. Mm. 
Because if that battle is not fought, you're coming here in chains. Mm -hmm. Without Frederick Douglass, without that civil war, mm. you're coming in chains if you're coming at all. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, but that's history. But I'm like, no, no, no. History is constant. History doesn't stop because it happened to certain people. History is constantly happening. Yeah. Every single moment in your life is history, history. continuing. Yes. Whatever has happened to your ancestors is in your DNA. Yes. It's a thread that doesn't stop just because it happened. The thread continues. It's a memory that keeps getting passed down. It's how your parents are treating you because it's how they were treated and how they were treated. It's always coming forward. Mm -hmm. You cannot be like, like I hate when people say, why are you guys different from African-Americans? I'm like, please do not compare Africans to African-Americans ever in your life because the experiences are very different. Mm -hmm. What the African, ex when you grew up in a continent where the doctors, the lawyers, the presidents, the teachers, everybody looks like you. When you're constantly told you're excellent, when you're constantly told you're beautiful, you cannot compare that person with a person who's experiencing the opposite. Mm -hmm. That's a lie you're telling yourself mm -hmm. not to deal with the realities of the choices that this country has made. Please do not. Mm -hmm. I hate that. Mm -hmm. I hate that with a passion. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to be complicit in your continual, in your continual racism against my people. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. We're not here for that. So, but I can tell you how to change the conversation so that yeah. we can fix this. Yeah. So did you, when you came to the country from Kenya, did it take some time for you to have this awakening? Or was this something that you immediately said, you know what, this doesn't feel right. This feels wrong. These people deserve this, that. Or was it, you know, something that you had to, over the years, continue <clears throat> to learn through conversation, through dialogue, through arguments, whatever the case may be? Because when I came to the United States, I already knew about Frederick Douglass. I'd already read the slave narratives. I already read uh, all the different books because I was doing social change and I was doing international relations and then I, I loved history. Me too. So when I saw this like little small picture in my history book of black women in chains, I remember going, what is this? Mm. It's like a little small, it was literally this small. Wow. And I'm like, what is this? It seems like a very important part in human history. Mm. It's a small picture like this. <laughs> they try to hide it. So, yeah, and it's the same thing with the Holocaust. It was a small picture. I was like, what is this? But no, the picture is really tiny. Mm, They're trying to hide big problem, yeah. I was like, <laughs> So <clears throat> I went aside reading over and I got, I went, I read the hermetic hypothesis. I mean, I read Carla Neas. I was in it. And by the time I was done, I was like, oh, it's a bullshit. Mm -hmm. We need to, I said, I need to go to America and give African-Americans. I was so incensed. Mm. And then the universe being what it is, landed me in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Like, the whitest of places. <laughs> I was like, well, it doesn't seem to be that many black people here. What is going on? And then I realized, but you also have to look back at your life and ask yourself, why? Why are all these moments happening? Mm -hmm. But then I think also there was a need. There was a need. I think the ancestors wanted also me not to lose sight of the bigger picture. Because sometimes you can be singularly focused, you forget mm -hmm. that you're not you're not you're not painting an apple, you're painting an orchard. Mm -hmm. So don't forget. And so what it did was it humanized America for me because I came and I had this idea and I was like, things need to be done. These yeah. people are and so ending up in Green Bay, Wisconsin and getting to experience the Midwest and getting to experience Americans as Americans, yeah. it humanized Americans and became just regular human beings. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay. This is a this is a conflict. This is a wound that has happened to these humans. Yeah. So now, how do we fix this? And so the first thing that had to be done was after my constant interactions, interacting. I live in Inglewood, so I'm really surrounded by a lot of black people. Okay. I was surrounded by a lot of black people. That's not the case anymore. It's coming gentrified really, uh, over there, isn't it? Diversified, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was constantly in conversation with students, with, with my friends who were from Howard University. I mean, they were from Spelman. They were from. 
Texas A&M. I mean, I was talking to all these black people who were all in entertainment and we were constantly going back and forth about black people and Africans and people. Yeah. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to make a movie so we can have this conversation once and for all wow. and be done. Wow. And, and I said, I wanted to make a movie that was like, a conversation starter for black people to be like okay let's have the facts mm-hmm. and and i was talking to people and then there's of course that interview with my friend with the gentleman who found out that after 20 years he didn't really know it that shocked both of us while we were filming wow. if you notice we yeah yeah go, you, you oh. paused you was like ah. <laughs> he was like i'm not judging like, i'm not judging i'm not judging i was like oh my god <laughs> like this is a possibility but yeah. even for him he was like slapped by it like mm-hmm. oh shit mm-hmm. And that's when I, that, and I think that was one of the first interviews I did. And I realized what the documentary needed to be. Mm. It needed to be informational. It needed to be not about who said what, when, where, and how. That's why we have that for like two minutes. But who are we? Yeah. What does the other side not know? And let's do, and then what is it that is similar about yes. this? And then yes. how do we move forward? Yes, yes. That is fundamentally important. And I began to realize that for me, I have, I've, when, when you say the concept of the bridge, mm-hmm. it's not just, you don't just get to be, if you're a bridge builder, you don't just build one bridge. Oh, you bring multiple. You're constantly building bridges. Absolutely. And hence, don't look at the apple, look at the forest. Yes. So for me, everything I do now, besides the, because there's some content that I do, yeah, even that, even when elephants fight, is I'm trying to build a bridge between two groups of people who think they're so different. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's blacks and Jews. I don't care if it's white, blacks and Africans and African-Americans. I don't care if it's black and white. I don't care if it's Latino. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, this is who you are. You are all part of the source. You're all connected. We're all connected. So you're fighting with your cousin. Mm-hmm. You're fighting with your brother. You're all connected yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. And I feel like that is fundamentally how an African changes the conversation. Mm. When you find two people fighting, you don't go in and go like, yeah, where is my sword? You sit back and look and say, no, like it's what parents do. You look and you say, okay, I'm going to, I can't, I'm going to punish them both. <laughs> but first, <laughs> I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to talk to you, yeah. but I'm punishing you both. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. you have to realize that you're in this shit together. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. If this world explodes, we're all going black, white, blue, green, yellow, power. Mm-hmm. So while we are in it, can we figure out a way to make it work for all of us? So building bridges yeah. between people who find themselves in disparate sides of history. That's my thing. I love doing that. It's finding that kernel of where are they so similar that when you show it to them, they're like, dude, yeah, yeah, man. You went through that. I did too. God. Yeah. Well, let's have a talk about, let's have a conversation about this. Yeah. That's a starting point of yeah. building friendships. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about this? I would say there's a, there's a, I don't want to say a renaissance, but there's a, a growing um, practice now of people going back to Africa. I mean, Deti December, Ghana is becoming a theme. People are going to Sierra Leone. I mean, Nigeria sometimes. All right. But this idea now is becoming the, that second and third generation. It should. Yeah. Literally, I thought that one of the hands of reparations should have been that the United States government pays round-trip ticket for every African-American who wants to visit an African nation of their choice. You know. That should be part of the reparation. Mm. You brought them here. Let them, let them go. Send, you better pay. Sponsor them, they sponsor their trip not, back. It should not be coming out of pocket. Yeah. It should not be coming out of pocket. Yeah. Pay. If you don't want to keep people 40 acres on a mule, the least you can do, American Airlines, you know what I... Fly them. 
you, you speak to something you speak something that's very interesting because i had a conversation with a friend about something very similar and it was like instead of the round trip though it was more making black americans passport globalized to the point where they can be able to travel to these african countries for there's not if it's not and it's not all yeah and and yeah and and do that yeah that's true that's true and that is not just africa it's a whole goddamn diaspora yeah yeah jamaica brazil colombia all of it they should have free access to that no issue they should go where you want to go go. yeah go where do you want to step kenya come on yeah you come in and we know this is the diaspora passport Ah! man i'm telling that's a game changer like diaspora passport look at that man that was something that like i was like if if because it was someone who like was working with the un and i said if we can make that happen (laughs) i'm gonna start talking about this diaspora passport and this because i've been talking about the airlines for a while i'm gonna add this diaspora passport there needs to be a diaspora passport. Look at us black folks. You know that you know that thing is going to be red. It's going to be... <laughs> it's going to be red, green, and yeah, And yellow, a little bit of yellow, you know, the yellow yeah. pages. <laughs> diaspora. What? Special brand. Yes. You know, fine. Keep your money. Give us the passport. Give us the That's passport. Cheap. Because the thing about give it is that I believe passport. we know how to create the value. Give them... The, give, I want to be clear. Give them the passport. Mm-hmm. I don't need the passport. No, give them. Yeah. Give them the passport. Yeah. We have to be very clear who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Give them the passport. Because I think the money, I understand. If you know, if your father came from Africa, if you know your village, mm-hmm. if your grandmother knows you, even if you're born in America, I'm sorry. The passport is not for you. Mm-hmm. The passport is not for you. That is just for rest of you. No, no, I get that. I think I think you're 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 100% right, but I I also feel like you know they the, the money and like you said and plus but my 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 belief is that our people and even african americans they we have such an ability to be able to create things that are worth buying and selling i think and that, yeah. that's been historically you've seen it right our culture our practices everything we I, I always say that we are the most historically we have been the most disposable source of the most productive disposable source of income for the world in everything that we do because whether you talk about our physical labor whether you talk about our creative <laughs> our abilities to be able to do things in our form of entertainment we have done that for centuries and now it's more so having some type of access to these various spaces i feel like you give them you give them the place to go and the freedom to be able to move and settle and do those things we grow because we have the innate ability to be able to create things worth buying. There's nothing, yeah. no argument there. Yeah. If we make space for our own Oof. to thrive. Lord. I mean, when you want to think about <clears throat> what people like Oprah, Viola Davis, mm-hmm. I have them on my wall. Uh, Beyonce, uh, Serena Williams, Shonda Rhimes. Well, these women, have achieved in spite of mm. you you have to it's it's a wonder and then you you say what would have this what would this country have been if that had been removed and they were like they were just allowed to thrive in every area hey, America mm. Mm. 
America would be fun. America, we'd be looking at America with a telescope. I'd be mm-hmm. like, hey, those people at the moon over there having fun. They'd be far. Mm. These moon landings would have happened. There would have been colonies. In the- Americans would be living in the moon right now. Mm. But no. You literally shackled a people. Now, 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 let's just talk about the diaspora. Let's talk about even Haiti and what France did to Haiti. <sighs> You've shackled an entire race of people. And if you'd have removed those shackles, this world collectively, let me just stop me talking about this. I just a collective the diaspora would be fucked. Because Africa and its natural resources. If you allowed Africa to decide how those resources are dispersed around the world, you'd have a different type of world. I want to say, I want to hope that they would put greed in check. Okay. Because capitalism does not check greed at all. <laughs> no. I'm trying to, because I think, you know, sometimes I sit in my own house over here and I have this weird random thoughts. Like I ask myself, why is it that we cannot remember how to build the pyramids? Now the West will say that's because aliens built them. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) But the African in me will say, if I was an African, why would we stop building the pyramids? And I would say, well, it's because those pyramids, if you look at them, required a lot of human beings to do it, a lot of death, mm. a lot of destruction. Mm-hmm. As Africans, what we would say is this thing is taking too many lives to augment one person. It is not worth it. Mm-hmm. We, will be, we, will, we will never do this again. This is the last one. We will burn this thing. We will burn and kill all the architects so that nobody remembers how to do this, so that we are never put in a position to do this again. Mm-hmm. Boom. That feels to me like an African response to something that they don't like. Mm-hmm. Because like we say, zero to machete. Africans will tolerate something long enough and then they will so. completely decimate and wipe it out. Yeah. Completely yeah. erase it. Yeah. Erase it. Yeah. So that it is never repeated again. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happened to the pyramids. I feel like people did it first time and somebody says, oh, matter, this thing is going to be a problem. Because the next thing that asks us to do this, we're going to lose more lights and it's not working. It. Then the next one comes and they're like, see, I told you guys this thing was going to be a problem. People are like, okay, wait until the next one. Then the next one comes and we're going to make him a small one and then we're killing him. <laughs> and that's what happens. Because you know how Africans think. Oh, yeah. yeah that's how Africans think. Like, this is this is ridiculous. Yeah. Why are we, we're, not, we're not making a fourth one of this, man. We are not doing a fourth. We're going to kill all these architects over here. We're going to take all the plants. We're going to burn it. So nobody ever has to do this do again. again yeah. That to me makes more sense mm. than aliens showed up and, you know, so, alienated, whatever the thing. I have an interesting question for you because I think when you talk about us as Africans. We are so random right now, by the way. No, it's cool. We're, we're, this is what I like at the end of the day. I like it. It's organic. It's fresh. I like it. This is, I'll, I'll, yeah. figure, it, I'll figure it out at the end. But, uh, but yeah. Take trains and planes and automobiles and just go. Let's go. I'm with you. I'm ready to fly and ride the train with you. Let's go. I'm I'm ready for all that adventure. Um, so this is this is an interesting question I have for you then. Because if we're we're gonna just kind of spaz out right now, I won't so if this let's let's just play hypothetical because you asked the question about if that word, you might want to check that word out because I know that word would be answered in trouble and I think it means something. Really? Yes. I'm a I'm I'm the queen of checking people when they say some shit. I'll be like, check that. All right, I'm gonna check it, <laughs> and also, I'm, I, and also, I'm telling you this in case this video ever leaks. Mm-hmm. We done checked ourselves. We've checked ourselves. <laughs> Thank you. You, wanna, you always wanna check yourself. Thank dude. you. And it's not because oh we are afraid of council culture, but also that if we are walking, if we are building bridges, mm, we don't want to harm. Understand? We don't trip. 
yeah. That's what vision brings. Absolutely. Okay, so, so the question I was going to ask is because you brought up the scenario of like if Russia and everything, if everybody was to, yeah. um, you know, decide they want to recolonize. So now I think I started having this question where I said, you know, if we were to start, let's say we said we're going to start over and we get rid of all, let's say there was some major catastrophe. This world went through some, you know, big apocalypse and now everybody has to start from square one. And each race knows who they are. Who thrives? Who knows? That's the that's a good thing about hypothetical. Mm. Anybody can. The problem I think with Africa right now is, I mean, my father came to visit me. I love how I love interacting with human beings because human beings have a tendency to say things that last. Mm. My father came to see me after he'd come to see, had gone to see my brother, and he had been in Colombia. Just, my father just said, he was just thinking out loud. He was like, what is it about us black people? We are always struggling no matter where we are. Father asked the question. Father answered the question. And then my dad said something so profound. He said, that is because we are always following these white people. We are never leading. Mm. Mm. And that was wisdom. Mm. And the thing about us is we are still playing the game that the colonialists left behind. The borders are still there. Britain knows where its colonies begin and end. So mm-hmm. does France. Mm-hmm. Every time something pops off in Ivory Coast, Germany doesn't show up. France does. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's their, that's them. <laughs> that's their territory something, still. Something is popping off in Kenya. It's either, either the United Kingdom or the United States. Yeah. You know? Why? Because they know where their territories begin and end. Mm-hmm. We've removed those maps are over there. Now, like I said once, we can't remove those maps from we, we I don't see those maps, those borders being removed during my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But I'm removing them here. That's why when I see a Niger, I'm like, brother. Yeah. Because I've removed the border here because I know my people came from up north and came down. Which is not to say some branch of my people did not go west. Mm. I know most of them went south. And then they stopped in Uganda, they were in Tanzania. Who knows? We could have ended up in South Africa if not for the borders. But the continent is connected. The people are connected. Mm-hmm. So for me, I love the continent. When you have people say, I, I say prayers. Pray. For me, I'm about Africa. Mm-hmm. And I believe as Africans, we should be about Africa mm-hmm. as a collective. Because then that means that if somebody does something to Congo, I show up. Yeah. I'm like, what's happening to the, what are you doing to the Congo? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to South Africa? Because we used to do that. We used to fight. We fought and we stood together with South Africa for the end of apartheid. And this is the entire diaspora. Mm-hmm. We used to fight for each other, with each other, alongside each other. And that has become, I think in music, it's still there to some extent. Mm. I'm hoping. But in more in the the, the if we can find more ways to work with each other, like I love the fact that I can do a project like Bound where I'm from Kenya, Tanae Carter, who's one of the producers is from Florida, she's African-American. Mm-hmm. And then you have Yabo Kwayana, who's the DP, is from the Dominican Republic. That's the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Then you have um, Aisitu Diallo, who's also there, one of the associate producers, whose father is from, I, I wanna say her father is from ben- Guinea. Mm. Her mother is African-American. Then you have, um, What's my friend? Uh, oh my God, I don't want to. Ki- I, I have to say your name. Hey, Omera. I have to. Yeah. I have to say his. Where is the poster? He's one of the producers out of the um, out of um, Minnesota. That brother came in, and that brother helped me. I cannot even begin. 
uh, I'm not going to move forward until I say his name because his name is worth saying. Reggie Anderson. Yes. Reggie Anderson. He is from Sierra Leone. He's not Liberia. That brother has a story to tell because mm. he left during the war. Oh, really? He's, oh, that brother mm. has a story to tell. Wow. And I'll let him tell that story one day. But I sat down and I listened to that brother's story and I said, bruh, you went through all that? He was like, dude. I was like, Jesus. And if you meet him, the most smilingest person you'll ever meet. He's mm. just out here making cinema about the same thing. You know, very inspirational human being, Reggie Anderson, out of Minnesota. Wow. Love you, bro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it was an amazing, I mean, I think you you all did an amazing project that I think will, will continue to last. And I think we've talked about, a little bit about moving forward so we've talked about the bridge we've talked about the the diaspora passport of sorts but like one thing i noticed is that of course i think we're finding more ways to tell our stories there are lots like one example i think you you um you i'm sure you're familiar with is the um the african artist association which i think is really big in the west yeah three a's right um have a couple of friends who are very involved in that as well and i think about what they're <clears throat> some of the the people who are part of it they speak on trying to find more ways to tell our stories and mm. i i know i think there's a more there's an increase now of you know voices in the writing room in 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 the studios who are now trying to um depict accurately as accurate as possible the stories and not leaving it to the Brad Pitts of the world and um, you know, to be able to tell our stories for us. But where where do you think that will potentially lead or end up or the impact that that can have for us overall? Of telling our stories? Yeah, telling our story in the big screen, right? Like now we're no longer Listen, just... Listen, yeah. I will tell you, I'll just give you one case study. You can go sit and case study this, everybody. Right. Go case study Korea. Mm. And the importance of telling your own stories. And the pride you have as a nation, as a people, when you see your own stories told in your own language, and then you see the world consuming your stories. Right now, if somebody decided they were going to bomb Korea, the whole world would have a fit. Mm. Because you are not bombing the land of the Squid Game. <laughs> You're not bombing the land of... Because now we K-drama. have to know. And you know, let me, let me, let, let's, let's talk about Asia for a minute. Okay, let's talk. There's a sadness in me when it comes to Asia. Because I did not realize, I started watching Asian content a while back. Mm. Maybe I want to say five, six years. For some people, they've been watching it longer. Watching content out of Thailand, out of Japan, out of Korea, out of China, out of Taiwan, out of Hong Kong, out of India. And you begin to realize, wow, we have really been inundated with Western narratives. Because I feel like I'm watching a new group of people, mm. but they've always been here. Mm. You know what I mean? No, I do. I do. Like now when you sit and you watch content on Nigeria and Africa, you just feel there's a hunger you have yeah. that you didn't realize you had this hunger because we are so inundated with British and American stories. It's just so much of it mm-hmm. that when you turn your glance to Korea, I sometimes like watch their project and I cry and I, and I feel like I need to apologize for taking so long to get there. Mm. I do. Really? I feel very sad. Like, I'm like, I should have gotten here sooner. I should have known about you sooner. 
I should have known about you sooner. And look, I'm curious about human beings. I love human beings. Everybody will tell you. I'm not a dog person. I'm not a cat person. I'll tell you. I'm a human person. That's my favorite species. That's my favorite animal. My favorite pet ever. And humans. Uh, there's a sorrow. And I don't know. Even, I, I feel like something was denied us. Mm. Stories about Asia. Stories about Africa. Story. Latin America. I mean, I've been watching things. I watch things from Chile, Colombia, Argentina. And, you know, but it took me a while because I was watching Latin America for a while, even before I got into Asia. And I remember watching something like, this is so good. Like, why isn't everybody, because it was hard to come by. So like, why isn't everybody? So now I have like Vicky on my, like, I spent a lot of time just watching Vicky, which is like mm. all the content from out of, out of Korea or whatever, or Asia. And I just was like, oh, I, I just feel so bad that it took the world the world should have been more inclusive mm. a lot earlier. That's mm. what I'm basically saying. Yeah. Yeah. We should have been watching content from Africa a lot earlier, a mm. lot of content from Asia earlier, content from, we should have been watching this mm. a lot sooner. I should have been watching this when I was 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Not when you're 30. You, we should have been seeing this because the industry was there. Mm -hmm. It was just, there was this need to promote this really western idea of what the world is so when i watch stories from korea what is interesting is the men are always crying and i'm just like this is a different perspective on masculinity you don't see that and you don't see that in the western yes. world see it's a different it's a different look at masculinity mm -hmm. very different and i love that i'm like wow now you know it's all drama dramatized doesn't mean that's how korean men actually are right but in cinema, it's different, you know. Mm. And I'm always fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by things like that. Like, so then, wow, look at this. But then, when you think about like us, our people, and even like Nollywood and Gollywood, and even to some extent Bollywood, how serious do you think in in that time they would have taken our stories? Because I felt oh, like they wouldn't have. Hmm? They wouldn't have. Mm. So, so I'm crying for something that cannot have been. Okay. Maybe it could have been, I don't know, it required a different mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I, I am aware yeah, yeah. of the fact that it has taken this long. Yeah. I'm aware of it. I'm just saying I'm aware of it. So it makes me sad. But I'm glad that the younger generation are going to have all this. Netflix is just going to serve them everybody. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love Netflix. Yeah. All right, so my last question, because I really appreciate your time. I have like two, but my one and a half. Let's just call it one and a half. But um, so the question I have is, in lieu of, since you're such a history fanatic like I am, I, what are your thoughts regarding what's happening in some states now in the U.S. as far as how they're trying to hide and, and stop the sharing of African-American history? Because I feel like we, we spent so much time talking about building these bridges and being able to tell each other our history and things that are missing how do you, how, what do you think this is going to do as far as impacting our people on both sides? Because if there is a concerted effort to hide and ban the histories being told, the true history being told, and not these small pictures that we've talked about, what is that going to do for our efforts to try to continue to build that bridge and connect us and, and, and reconcile our differences? Well, it's sad, but it's not surprising. No, it's not surprising. It's not surprising no. because when you study the history of the United States, especially when you study decolonization, de desegregation, 
you begin to understand that desegregation was really an attempt to get black people to desegregate white spaces, mm -hmm. but never white people to desegregate black, black spaces. spaces. That's why the black spaces died, mm -hmm. because all the money was flowing one direction. You know, black people were going to the black white businesses, they were going to the white, but nobody was bringing it back this other way. Mm. And so it has always been a push from whiteness to keep blackness that way and blackness pushing into whiteness. Mm. If that thing had been a double tiered where it was back and forth, we would not be here. But that push has always been because of fear. And that fear has been allowed to just co to just exist mm. for years. It's just been sitting there. And what do you mean, Perez? Because even when I look back at the Civil War, I always find it very interesting that the civil, a whole civil war was fought. People keep talking about how this, the South was treasonous. But nobody in the South ever paid a price. They were forgiven for it. So if you forgive people when they commit a crime, they don't really feel like they forget they committed a crime. No That's why they keep saying the South will rise again. And here they are rising because they never felt they committed a crime because you did not actually hold anybody accountable and say, next time you do this, we'll do this, this and that. So yeah. they can come and do Jan 6 because they don't, I don't know what happened. Yeah. We did the whole civil war, nothing happened. Yeah. So when you stop holding a people accountable, when you yeah. expect one group of people to constantly be repairing a nation, you're asking for the impossible. You can have 13 million people fix a whole nation. Everybody needs to be involved. That's mm -hmm. why when I hear black people saying we're tired, dang it. It is exhausting. Mm -hmm. But I will say this with my whole chest. Every single time I've looked at the history of the United States and I've looked at when African-Americans, black Americans asked America to make a different choice, mm -hmm. the country has always moved forward. That's true. So I will say this, and people will say, oh, you're saying that because you're black, uh, possibly. Mostly. But I've always felt that the black people in this country hold the conscience, conscious, the soul is the soul of America. Oh, without question, for sure. And they're trying to tell you, this destiny you're trying to reach, this is how you get there. But you refuse to listen. And if you refuse to listen, there's only one outcome. Mm. You cannot erase black people out of america it's absolutely ridiculous you cannot the very definition of what people out there know for, to be america is black, it's culture. black culture what are you talking about yeah exactly what are you talking about you can wear whatever you want white man white woman but unless beyonce or jay-z puts it on nobody it means cares nothing it means nothing it to the rest of nothing. the world it yeah. means nothing and and I've always said, our lot in life as black people is we were never meant to play small. We can't. It's not in our DNA, mm -hmm. do you? It's not even in our skin. Mm -hmm. Meant to stand out. You know? Arguably, we have the skin that stands out. Yeah. I don't care. You we're, meant to stand we're, out. <laughs> we're meant that to stand out. That skin stands out. You can't pretend you're anything but you. No, we're meant to stand out. <laughs> you can try and cover it's it all you want out, to. Meant to so, stand out. Just accept that you are going to stand out. Mm -hmm. And then have a plan of who you're going to be what you're going to represent and be bold. Mm. So what do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? Since you love humans and your work is related to humans, what do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done, sis? Let me tell you what I want. I want to lay down and die mm. and cross over to the ancestral plane and for my ancestors to say, you did good. Mm. That's all. What it's going to be, I don't know, because I follow them. 
they chart the course, I just do it. So what I, what, what I want is the day I lay down. Yeah. You did good. That's, that's, all, that's all I know. Yeah. That's all I know. And I don't know, yeah. My ancestors, talking about my ancestors gets me very emotional. Because they're very real to me. Yeah. No, I see that. I see that. I feel that. That's, that's, that's a real thing. Yeah, they're very real to me. Very. And all of them. All the way back. All the way back. And there's so many, too. There's some who witnessed the slave trade. So mm -hmm. there's a reason why some stories are being said, because they want those stories said. They mm -hmm. want, they, you know, because when we realize that there's a phrase, and I don't know who coined it, and I love it, I am my ancestors' dreams mm -hmm. realized. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful statement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you can always think of, you know, when you see, you can tell you, your great-grandmother or great-great-grandmother sitting there saying, one day, one day. One day. And then you become that one day. Yeah. Wow. That's a yeah. real thing. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. One day. I, and I wish all of us yeah. understood that. Yeah. You're that one day. Mm, 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 so mm. when you come to America, don't conform, inform. Mm. You're mm. not here to conform. You're here to inform. You're here to watch. You're here to turn, change the conversation. You're here to do what Africa is supposed to do. Mm. We don't play along. Africans are honest. Africans are bold. Uh, they're resilient above all things. God, Africans are resilient. Jesus. You know, we've never had one benevolent president in the whole continent. Maybe, maybe... Um, Mandela, maybe? Nelson Mandela. But look at 70, we are going a hundred years deep with dictators and whatnot, and the, and the people are still fighting. To this very day. This very day. Leaders who some of us didn't even choose. Mm. One day that continent will be free. Will we live to see it? That's the question I ask myself all the time. Probably not. But those who are destined to live to see it will. Mm. One day. Now we have the ancestors saying one day. And we lay down and some kids will come over and we'll be like, you did good. Mm. Mm. Says, That's powerful. That's making yeah. me emotional because now I'm thinking about my descendants, right? And, yeah. and my dream for them and for my one of my descendants to be that one day. That Can you is, imagine? Man, man, man. They cross over and you're like, you did wow, good. That's wow. just the joy of knowing mm -hmm. that they did it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I never lose hope of anything. There's always hope. Even when we come in here and we are wrestling, Africans and African-Americans and wrestling, and you know, you'll meet the black people like, I want nothing to do with Africa. That's fine. But just know Africa wants everything to do, do with, with you. you. Oof. When you're ready, it will, she'll be there. Still waiting for you with open arms. When you're ready, she'll be there. Mm -hmm. You can't fall. It's like, it's like kids who've been abandoned. Then a mother shows up and says, hi, I'm your mom. Not all of them are going to be like, oh my God, I've been looking for you. Some will be like, fuck off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because uh, there's pain there. Mm -hmm. But you always have to leave the door open. Leave the light on. Mm -hmm. We will die with some of them never returning home. But their descendants become the, 
I want to go check this out. You never know. But all, but what I do know, what also gives me hope, is that we all, all lay down, we all cross into the ancestral plane. You all meet each other eventually. Mm, you have to. You do. You meet each other eventually. In that space. You know. Life is beautiful, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, this was this is amazing. I just want to sis, I just want to thank you so much. My Kenyan sister. I'm very grateful. For, I'm so listen, I did, listen, you're in trouble. I just want to let you know. Sister Perez, we know you're in trouble now because now you're my sister. We've shared tears listen. together. You're my sister now. There's nothing you can do. I'm coming to visit. Come and see me. There's nothing you can do now because you're my sister. There's yes. no borders that's keeping us apart. Nothing. Nothing at all. So we're Nothing. here, <laughs> we're here, and if you do anything embarrassing, I still have to say, <laughs> come for me. Okay? You're one of ours. <laughs> She's one you're of like, ours. I'm one of you, but you know you said that, and you know how we do in Africa. Do not insult. Don't you come. You come to her and be like, "What the fuck are you doing out there? You're making us look bad." He's like, "I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> you go apologize." As in, you know, like, hey, but here, let me tell you something. Yeah, I'm coming to visit. You have brother. to, please. I need somebody. To make me some egusi soup. Oh, say less. Don't even. Why are you even asking? That's not. Yeah. Hot, <laughs> listen, I make hot pepper soup in my own house. Okay. I have my hot. I make that in my own house. I had to figure out how to make hot pepper soup in mm. my own house. I have the suya thing, but you know what? Suya, you need somebody who knows how to make suya. Because yeah. I tried and I've gone to restaurants. I'm like, it's not suya. Okay. I don't know what you're trying to do, but this is not it. Oh, don't worry. That one is. That one is nothing. Yeah. This. All those things you're asking for. These are regular. Like it's yeah. like it's like water. So you, it's accessible like water. Why are you even? That one is nothing. It's regular, regular now. Why you? Don't even stress yourself. That one no. is correct. That's, that's what you're coming for. That's like twenty-five cent potato chips. Don't even worry. We'll collect. We'll carry that one. We'll carry go. We'll carry. We'll send you off with all the suya that you want. The suya pepper. No, no, Allah. That one is easy. Listen, I, 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 listen. You tell me. You give me suya. I go put that thing in the mail. As and in, send like... it to myself. Listen. <laughs> I do not want to go to the airport and somebody tell me I cannot bring my food. Because you know these people will do that. Oh, they'll I try. Don't mind them. An ice box and flight. Don't mind them. We'll send. If we have to send it through the grant, we'll don't. We'll do it. FedEx next day. We'll have that suya I'm, to you. Listen. I'm that crazy. I have put food in ice boxes and I'll be like, I'm mailing this to myself. <laughs> about having this it's about having this food exactly yeah i have looked man oh I no if, if you're saying a goosey soup that one don't worry See? my sister come and let me know come and yeah. we'll, 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 we'll organize you you have all the goosey that you want i want to see the pekin that you got i want to see them all yes the little ones oh they'll give you trouble you can even take them with you please <laughs> I'll take them with you. Yeah, tell, tell them all the stories you want to tell them. Please take them with you. <laughs> are they boys? Or are they guys? I got, I have, I have the girls. I have, my oldest is a girl. My middle child is a boy. He's the only boy. So he's, he's there. Yeah. You have a three-year-old boy. Where? Where? He's about to get to four. Good luck. I need all the luck. <laughs> I told you this already. <laughs> you know, the, the, girls, the girls come down eventually. They come down and they become all angsty. Oh, they're in their feelings. I hope so. God. The boys. Listen, I don't know. I think to me, I'm scared about the opposite because the teenage years. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. No, the girls will be a problem for the mother. They won't be a problem. That for is they true. They will love you. That is true. That is true. <laughs> that one is true. Now, here's the question. Are you educating them here? Are you educating them in, in Nigeria? Why are you educating them? 
as far they're here, but they they go to travel. We haven't traveled. Yeah. The little ones haven't traveled yet. Actually, that's the yeah. thing because of pandemic and everything. But um, yeah. they need to. They have to. They have to have both experiences. It's important. I think the reason why I have been denied having children is because <laughs> if I had one, that child mm. would be in a boarding school somewhere in Africa. Oh, that child yeah. would be so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I mean, like, look, I went to boarding school in Kenya. Okay, you can handle. Listen, Shoot. anybody who goes to boarding yeah. school in Africa, you come, you come out of that place a very independent person. <laughs> you That's be able to, move, you can make it through anything. Listen, anything, the hunger you deal with. Anything, you can make it through anything in that life. You can make it through anything. You can make it through school. No, sometimes you just, you're just hungry, and you're so hungry, you just get an education. Yeah. You're so hungry, you just focus on studying because you don't understand. There's nothing else you want to think hungry. about. <laughs> Let me read this biology book, my dear, because hey, hey, if I stop for a split second, it is the hang up. Hey, the weevils we ate. You know, when you eat the beans, there's like the swimming weevils, and they tell you that's protein. Oh, God, what? (laughs) No, I don't know about that. (laughs) We come far, brother. Oh, my God. We've come far. No, no, no. But at the end, listen, I, again, this has been fantastic. I have to even just. Just say thank you so much. I'm gonna officially end this, but I'm still gonna talk to you. But I'm gonna end this thing. Hold on. Thank you so much, Perez. Yes. We know this has been a blast. I really, really appreciate this. We didn't even uh, talk about Jenga. Are you sure? Oh you no! Know? Don't listen. We you're coming. You said you're coming, Abby. So you're coming. That means when you're coming, we're going to turn. Yeah, we're going to continue. Jenga. You gotta put that to watch Jenga. It's right now streaming on Netflix. Oh yeah, Jenga. Well, yeah, Jenga. On Netflix, Jada Pinkett, on written Netflix, by Parisa, we know. You gotta put that in there, bro. I'm gonna you say gotta everything. I got there. you. I'm gonna say it on the intro. You, you didn't even say hi. Can you say hi? <laughs> so I can. Oh, hi, guys. Hi. This we're doing this backwards, by the way. This is literally the end of the one and a half hours. I'm telling you right now. Uh, and we are here because we wanted to talk about the show Jenga that is on Netflix right now. It premiered February 15th for Black History Month. Thanks to Jada Pinkett Smith and Westbrook and Utopia and Netflix and my writing partner, my ace, uh, Nene Iwuji from uh, Nigeria, Ibo sister, Luo Kenya, Perez Ovino. Um, yeah, so check it out, four part docu-series. It's really a great way to understand not only Queen Njinga, but also to understand what was happening in Africa at the time and the birthing of the diaspora. So watch it on Netflix. Love it. Give it two thumbs up. Because if you watch it to the end and you give it two thumbs up, we get to make more of So that's going to do it for this episode of My Black is Transnational. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, subscribe, and review the podcast. You can learn more about this podcast by visiting our website at blacktransnational.com. You can follow me, the host, at blacktransnational underscore on Instagram, or you can follow the podcast at blacktransnationalpodcast on Facebook and Instagram. So until next time, my name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts. My black is transnational, and I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace.